Hi, I'm Dawn Zulay Abernathy, and you are listening to TV Confidential with host Ed Robertson. Yes, we're moving on Ed Robertson, author, guest, Jay Moriarty. Jay is with us via Zoom. Jay spent seven years as a staff writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons. The Jeffersons, the long-running sitcom starring Isabel Sanford and Sherman Hemsley, that, like all Norman Lear shows, made us laugh, while also making us stop and think every now and then about such topical issues as suicide, interracial marriage, transgender identity, and even the Ku Klux Klan. Honky in the House is the name of Jay's memoir. Honky in the House, available right now through Amazon.com, other online retailers. You can follow Jay Moriarty on Facebook. Before we went to break, Jay was about to take us behind the scenes of Once a Friend, Once a Friend, the famous episode of the Jeffersons. That was the first network TV episode to portray transgender identity in a positive light. You know, George's friend who was Eddie in the Navy shows up and now he's Eden. And uh, you never saw anything like that before. In fact, we had a tough, when we first pitched that to Dominic and Bernie, they said, uh, well, we already did gay show on the on All in the Family. We said, this isn't gay. This is, now it, you had just been able, kind of was becoming common knowledge that you could actually become, you know, transfer gender. You could have a surgery, you know, if you're female, you could become male and vice versa. And uh, finally they, Dominic and Bernie agreed there was something different. And uh, actually, the show was pitched to us by uh, Michael Baser and uh, Kim Weisskopf, who were writers and who, who wrote that. That was a funny show. I don't know if, you know, there were two jokes in that show that were too controversial to be in uh, a Norman Lear show. One of them was, the network made us cut it out, but one of the lines was uh, when George is with, you know, his old Navy buddy, uh, Eddie, who's now Eden, he thinks this is a practical joke because they were always playing Eden. And he says he rolls up his he rolls up Edie's sleeves and says what what happened to your tattoo and uh, and uh, he says uh, well George that was the first that was the second thing to go so he says that was the second thing to go and then that works that you can't say and, I, and there was one other line where George says look this is crazy Eddie why don't you just go back to the doctor and tell them to put things back the way they were and Eddie says George this is not like I went to the barber and asked him to take a little off the sides. And they wouldn't let us, either one of us, so why can't we say that? They said it, it uh, brings up uh, images of the operation. But the whole show brought up images of the operation. So, but we weren't about to start arguing with us as long as they let us do that show. Well, you, you, have, you have to pick your battles. And you have, you have to know what to push and when to stand your ground. And uh, that's thing number one. Thing number two, when you talk about how the network said you can't even refer obliquely to the transsexual operation because the audience will think of the operation. It reminded me of something Roy Huggins told me many years ago when I interviewed him for my book on Rockford Files. And he told me the story about back then, this is the same era that you and Mick were writing for uh, Norman Lear. This is early to mid-1970s. And you were only allowed maybe three cuss words per one-hour show. And in one of his scripts, Roy had a character say, danged. And the censor said, take that out. And Roy said, why? He says, danged. And the censor said, and I quote, if the character says dang, the audience will think damn. <laughs> so 
crazy. It's it is, but you know, look, we we can we can easily spend an hour in decisions made by standards and practices and whether they're logical. Yeah, you really can't figure it out. I, I this is I mentioned in the book we did an episode involving the day Martin Luther King was shot. We, we had a it's a flashback episode. Of what were the Jeffersons doing the day Martin Luther King was shot? Long story short, George was trying to open his first store. He actually acquired a a storefront and he's showing Louise. They find out. People start running. What happened? Martin was shot. And George picks up a, a little chair there and says, those bastards, and throws it through the window. Well, after we read our script, Mike and I really said, well, they're not going to let us say bastards, so we better think of something else. And so we came up saying, damn them, and he throws the chair out the window. Well, when we network calls and says, you can't say damn. So I talked to the center, this gal, who actually, ironically, this fits in somewhere, she was... She was just in the U.S. for two years from Romania, but she's saying you can't say damn. And she suggests, well, what are, you know, they just found out Martin Luther King was shot. What's he going to say when he took And she says, well, what about the bastards? You know, because the line was, they shot Martin Luther King. You know, they, and then she said, and I said, well, I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, let me talk to Mike. You know, let me talk to my partner, and I'll get back to you. I acted kind of disappointed. I talked to Mike, and he couldn't. He thought I was pulling his leg, but, but – uh, Took me five minutes to convince him, so we waited until later that afternoon. And then I called back and said, "You know, yeah, I talked to Mike. And okay, we'll say those bastards." So that—that's really, you know, you just couldn't figure out. I mean, fortunately, cable today we can say anything we want. So, but well, I think network still is pretty particular about, like you saw in live in front of the studio audience, they're particular about what they say. Honky in the house, writing and producing the Jeffersons by Jay Moriarty. Honky in the house available. Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jay Moriarty is with us via Zoom. Jay spent seven years as a staff writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons. We've talked before about how Honking the House takes us inside the writer's room of The Jeffersons, but it also takes us behind the scenes of all other aspects of production and gives us a glimpse of each of the primary cast members of the Jeffersons, Jay. I want to ask you about Sherman and Isabel in just a second, but we're uh, we're talking about the episode Florence's Problem, which is the one where Florence considers taking her life after she is rejected by a boyfriend. And I've never had a chance to talk to Marla Gibbs, but from what I know about her, I would imagine she really liked that script because she in real life is a per, was a, is was and is a person of substance and relished the opportunity to perform words that had something to say. Yeah, well, uh, in fact, that was the first episode that really featured Marla, the Florence character. That was before she actually moved into the house and everything. It was the first, the first and, it, and yeah, she wrote us, she wrote uh, Mike and I a nice note, a nice Kwanzaa card she gave us uh, after the episode because it was her episode was the first titled Florence's Problem. You know, if you're an actor, you always like to see, come and see a script that has your character's name in the title. And uh, yeah, it was a very moving, a very moving episode. Never before touched suicide, you know, in a sitcom. She, um, you know, I put in the book a letter from, we got a number, a lot of letters from people, Marla about the suicide thing and one was from a 16 year old uh, uh, boy from Canada who uh, well you'll see if you read the book about but it was very touching and 
really credits Marla for, you know, he was thinking about suicide until he, he heard George say, if you kill yourself, you're going to be hurting somebody you really love. And you really think about the people that, that he might be hurting. And, and it's really, that's the power of television, you know, is that you could appeal. That's what always made, to me, it's just television. When I was in college, I used to think about writing novels. And then I realized, you know, who reads novels? You know, everybody watches television, though. So the people you really want, if you want to say anything, people you want to make think about things, is, is there's your television audience. And, and these shows like the ones we're talking about, Transgender Identity and um, Martin Luther King, all, all these, uh, the letters we would get from people and it were very moving to see that, that people were watching things and laughing and, and being moved at the same time, being moved to think. Just mentioning the Martin Luther King thing, uh, over the years, a number of young people have said to me that the, that was the, they learned about Martin Luther King from watching the Jefferson. That's what I think was so great. I would just feel very, very proud to be able to have worked on a, a show like that on, on the Jefferson. One other thing I learned about Marla, I was not aware that at the time she first joined the show, she was working at United Airlines. Yeah, well, yeah she. Working at United Airlines at the uh, you know at the airport, she had a regular job, and uh, Norman wanted to you know make her full time, and we wanted to move her in the house and everything. She became you know real popular. You know, some people he asked them their favorite part of the Jeffersons. They like when George and Florence would go back and forth at each other. You know, that's me. <laughs> she, was afraid. she was wise. You know, she she knew she was doing acting and plays and stuff, but she. Uh, she didn't want to quit her job because it's so finally uh, the company offered her said, well, what are you making now? Well, we'll pay you that. Plus, we're going to pay you for her acting. And so she's, she gave in uh, the rest of the system. Well, not, not only that, and this goes back to Marla, Marla was and is a smart cookie. When you decided to spin Florence off into her own show, Marla had the foresight to ask for something in her contract in case the show did not work. Right. Well, I see you read the book. That's, that's great. You read the whole thing all the way. Yeah, when we came, when it came time for the spinoff, Marla didn't want to be spun off because uh, she was afraid that it might happen to her, what happened to uh, Roe and Alice, and a lot of other people get spun off and people forget them. You know? But uh, so she she made the deal that if, if the show doesn't go, the spinoff, uh, she can come back to the Jefferson. So that, that's what happened. In fact, they even went ahead and cast another maid on the Jefferson's if you remember watching this. We did like uh, four episodes, I think, of Checking In, which was a spinoff. That was a whole kind of disaster anyway, because we we didn't really have scripts ready, and the, the network wanted to do it, and there was a writer's script, so you couldn't yeah. write scripts, so it's a long story. But anyway, well, you read about it in the book, but yes. uh, sure enough, uh, spinoff was canceled, and uh, canceled with a 30 share, by the way, which these days would be a gigantic hit. And she came back to the Jeffersons, and uh, you know, even Mike and I, I think, were glad to see because uh, we really didn't. We hesitated to be doing that spinoff because we didn't want her to be leaving the Jeffersons. She's part of the family, you know, and, and that show was really working on all cylinders. And in fact, it went another uh, after that. That was after the seventh season. It went another four years. I don't know if it would have gone that long without the, without Marla around. Jay Moriarty is with us via Zoom. Jay spent seven years uh, as a staff writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons. Jay takes us behind the scenes in the making of The Jeffersons 
in his memoir, Honky in the House, Honky in the House, Writing and Producing the Jeffersons, which you can find right now at Amazon.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One of my favorite. Go ahead. Talk about uh, groundbreaking issues at the time. Interracial marriage. It was the first time you ever saw a so-called mixed marriage. You know, a white guy married to a black woman, the Willises. And when you think about it, well, just seeing, uh, we used to get plenty of letters on that. It was a uh, big kiss. The first time they kissed, the Willises, a white and black. That's you've never seen anything like that before. In fact, just. Uh, Two years maybe before, when uh, Harry Belafonte and Petula Clark had sung on a variety show, and at the end of their song, Petula Clark just touches Harry Belafonte's arm. Letters across the country, that was like the biggest issue that a, a white woman touched a black man on his arm on television. So a couple years later, all of a sudden you're seeing this black and white couple kissing, big long kiss. And I know Norman said, you know, make sure it's a really big, and we. We would get letters. I mentioned in the book, a guy wrote every week and would make comments about interracial marriage and miscegenation and the changing spittle and Marxist communists who produced the show. This was, uh, like I said, we you get a letter every week. So, so And I understand um, Isabel had a great response for that. Yeah, she said, uh, hey, why don't we call him and uh, call this guy and thank him for watching our show. <laughs> so everybody went back to the office and yeah. got on phones. You know, in those days you had these phones that, you push a button, everybody push the same line, and we called, got this guy's phone number in uh, Redmond, Louisiana. And anyway, a guy picks up the phone, hello, I said, uh, hey, this is uh, Louise Jefferson. We just want to cast us here. We want to thank you for watching our show. <laughs> Dead silence. Anyway, you can, you can read the rest of it, how it went. But uh, that was a big issue. In fact, I noticed when, and I, I shouldn't say anything bad about these shows, but when they did an episode of the Jeffersons recently, the live thing. I want to ask you about that, but go yeah. on. There was a kiss where the two kids, Will Ferrell actually plays the honky, the white guy. Yeah. So when you go to kiss, you can see them. Well, they really don't kiss. You see the back of their heads, and they're just kind of cuddling, supposedly kissing. But uh, Norman was like, you know, when we did the show in, in the 70s, it was like, make sure we see this this kiss, you know, this big deal interracial kiss. But, yeah, that was, uh, Norman was a groundbreaker, you know, just things that were just unheard of before, uh, we put them on and, and then put them on in the context of a comedy. We've talked about the two live from a studio audience specials that ABC has aired over the past year, year and a half that Jimmy Kimmel produced in conjunction with Norman Lear. And I'm basically of two thoughts. On the one hand, Jay, well, three thoughts. One, I think Jimmy Kimmel's heart's in the right place. Two, if Doing these restagings introduce new generations of viewers to the original shows. That's a positive. My one, I don't know whether gripe's the right word, but, and it, and it had to do with the Jeffersons restaging. With the exception of Wanda Sykes, 
as Louise, it seemed to me that most of the cast members were kind of sending it up and they were doing caricatures of the characters instead of trying to assume the characters as Sherman and Isabel and Marla and Paul Benedict and Franklin Cover and Roxy Roker did when they performed those scripts in the 70s. I agree with you totally. I don't think I could put it better. <laughs> You certainly know your TV. You, uh, people have to listen to what you have to say. I think that's that's a good summation of, you know, you really can't mess with a classic, I think is another way of saying it. I mean, uh, but I, I like the two first reasons you gave. It, it does expose people to those shows, and it reminds people, you know. A lot of us, I think, who saw the originals, we're watching these remakes, but we're actually thinking of the originals and thinking how, how it how good they were and how much they impressed us, you know? Yeah. How good the acting was. And it took me a while, but I've become a big Wanda Sykes fan over the last 10 years. And as I said, I like to think that Isabel, you know, if Isabel saw it from wherever she is in the great ether, I would like to think Isabel liked uh, Wanda's performance. Not that Wanda was not that Wanda was channeling Isabel, but she she made an attempt to play the character like a good actress should. Yeah, I love Wanda Sykes, and uh, I was impressed, too, that she really, she's such a funny person, and her, like, her stand-up stuff, as you've seen, is, is hilarious, but she, she actually, you know, in that particular show, even Louise was pretty much of a, not giving the comedy, but giving the, the straight thing, so, yeah, Wanda Sykes did a great job. Isabel is a wonderful actress, by the way, she finally, uh, you know, won an Emmy for Best Actress in TV, the only black woman to to have won an Emmy at the time, and uh, and I think still is for a long time the, the lead actress in a, in a TV comedy. But she really held that show together. I think a lot of people, at least at the beginning, don't realize what, you know, Sherman was, you know, George Jefferson, he's the energizer bunny of that show, but, but without Isabel to keep it grounded, that show could have uh, come a lot, you know, goofier than it was. But she, But she was very funny, too. And she was... She loved comedy, and she comes from a place of comedy, but we gave her a lot of, you know, kind of, it was her business to keep Sherman in check. Yeah. But she would say, one funny thing she said, I mean, it's like she was asked in an interview about, do they give you comedy jokes? And she said, yeah, but if I complain like a joke that I don't want to say, or say something else, or say it a little different, they just take it and give it to somebody else. Yeah. So I don't tell them anymore. I just... Whatever they want me to say, that's funny, I say. Jay Moriarty is with us via Zoom. Jay Moriarty, longtime writer-producer of The Jeffersons. Jay's memoir, Honky in the House, not only takes you inside the writing room of The Jeffersons, but also provides a capsule history of the so-called golden age of TV sitcoms, plus insight into why Norman Lear is one of the smartest, shrewdest, and most courageous producers TV will ever know. Jay will be back next week to talk some more about the Jeffersons. We'll share some more memories of working with Isabel Sanford, Sherman Hemsley, Zara Cully, and the rest of the cast of the Jeffersons. He'll also dispel a few myths about the Jeffersons that have surfaced over the years, including the reason why there were two actors who played Lionel Jefferson. Plus, we'll talk about why it is a disservice to describe George Jefferson as a black Archie Bunker. That's coming up next week on TV Confidential. In the meantime, Honky in the House writing and producing The Jeffersons by Jay Moriarty, available Amazon.com, wherever books 
are sold online. Take a quick time out. The Greg Airbar will join us for a DVD report next on TV Confidential. If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19. We know this is a hard time for you, and this fund has been set up by the federal government to help ease your pain. The compensation includes a death benefit and lost wages benefit. Time is limited, so we urge you to make a free phone call right now. There's no cost to you for this claim. All legal fees are only covered once you receive your money. So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-915-8054. 800-915-8054. 800-915-8054. That's 800-915-8054. Paid for by the IPG Law Group. You can now purchase t-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.